Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. This is the Hot Take Hot Box, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Matt McSweeney. Thank you for joining me on this Tuesday, November 15th, fresh off of a Monday night loss to the Washington Commanders and Taylor Heineke in a game where the Eagles completely let opportunity after opportunity slip through their fingers and they received their first loss of the 2022 NFL season. We will break that game down from start to finish. We will talk about a little bit of Sixers. It seems like Joel is activated and locked in again, which is the only way Sixers basketball is somewhat watchable. Saturday night he went 42-10-6. and And then Sunday night against the Jazz, he goes 59. He's got seven blocks, 11 boards, and eight assists. It's just an absolutely all-around phenomenal performance from the big man. And it's good to see because I have had my doubts and worries about him early on in the season. Even though everyone says, oh, you know, this is what he does every year. The, you know, he comes in slow. and he, like It shouldn't be like that. And then it's plantar fasciitis before the season. He wasn't able to get his real training program and yada. It's just same old stuff. I guess, honestly, truthfully, like I said for the whole off season and everything, it doesn't matter until they get to the playoffs. But again, we have a regular season. We have to talk about these games. These games will matter if they don't make the playoffs, right? So we have to win enough of these to get ourselves in the playoffs and not be on the road or not be one of those lower seeds that has to travel to all these different places for the, you know, not have that home court advantage, which uh, honest, you know, <laughs> I guess it doesn't really, it hasn't really mattered for us in the past because we have lost three. I mean, I think the last series we lost three games at home. The, you know, the Atlanta Hawks series, we lost game seven at home. We blew a 25 point, you know, like, I get that that doesn't matter, but I, I guarantee you that these guys would rather play at home as opposed to going on the road. And uh, you know you gotta win. You gotta win a certain amount of games. You have to take care of business in the regular season to be in a situation to do that. Right now, if the season were to end today, the Sixers would be in a play-in game. They would be the seven seed, and they are only you know it's still very early on. The Celtics are the best team in the uh, Eastern Conference. You have the Bucks at ten and three. I'm gonna get to all this later on. I'm kind of jumping uh, the gun here because uh, you know the Sixers are very near and dear to all of our hearts. But it's just something about that basketball, that Sixers talk, that hits a little different. It gets everybody worked up. Arguments ensue, and there's anger involved, and it's that that to me is a little bit more fun, a little bit more fun. But uh. Good, 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 good so far. We will talk about the good stuff with the Sixers after we talk about the bad stuff with the Eagles. The Eagles, like I said, and like you all know, took their first loss last night to the Washington Commanders in a game that they made mistake after mistake. The referees made multiple mistakes in this game, and uh, we will discuss uh, as much of it as I have written down and as, uh, as I can remember because it was a game that had a lot of shit go down. Birds open the game. They give the ball to Washington. They're you know they commit a penalty on a on a on a punt, and then they strip sack Heineke with uh, Josh Sweat coming around the outside. They get the ball. They go right back down. They score with a 
QB sneak from Jalen Hurts. So it looks like, all right, here we go. The boys are going to cruise. But Washington came right back and with a long drive. Seven minutes, 21 seconds, 13 plays, 75 yards. And they score with an Antonio Gibson touchdown. So now it's 7-7 that, you know, it. When you when that when the first the game opens you think oh here we go we're gonna roll, but it's you know you can't lie it's a, it's very worrisome to see Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders uh, just r- run the ball down our throats and, and move the ball right down on our defense that has been pretty reliable and dependable for this entire year you know uh, it, it has been the one thing that you can count on now the offense has gone in and out and for portions of the game, right? Like there's a lot of conversation in the second half. They kind of get shut down because they run a very simple offense and teams are able to figure out what's going on. In this game, it just seemed like the defense was just, they were, the, the, the Washington commanders were having their way with them. And, and th- that this went on throughout the whole game because the time of possession was so lopsided. Uh, I saw... Or, or heard Joe Buck say during the broadcast that the time of possession in the first half was so lopsided that it hadn't, like the Eagles hadn't been out timed like that. I don't know the exact word. You guys can all figure that out out there, but out possessed basically like that since I, I, I think a week seven or eight game in 2001. So over 20 years it's been since we've been just basically the time of possession has just been dominated. I mean, we even had guys like Chip Kelly here. Who didn't give a fuck about time and possession? And you know, it just that that was a ugly, ugly. I mean, because we start the game off with a 51-second drive for a touchdown, and then we come back, 11 plays, a lot of passing, and it's what 3:30 and a touchdown to Dallas Goddard. But the big concern for me was uh, the lack of design run plays, especially to Miles Sanders. I know they had. I mean, they kept mixing the running backs in and out, but Miles Sanders is your guy. He's been the one that has had the most success in design run plays. We are a team that is built to run the ball. We have the best, you know, if not one of, if not the best offensive lines in the league. And he gets one carry in the whole first half. You know, maybe they snuck another one in there. But there was a uh, late in the second half, he only had one carry, which is... is a disgrace. It really is because it just see like I don't care what the 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 other the defense is giving you, and we're just calling what what's available, and you know whatever the cliched excuse you want to use. We are eight zero. We are the best team in the NFL record wise. Whatever you can have an argument back and forth, argue with whoever you want. We're the best team in the NFL. We dictate what happens. Other teams don't tell us how to play. We are going to run the ball down your throat, and we're going to make you do something about it, and then we switch up. But it seemed like it was the opposite. I mean, I know they have a lot of RPOs called, and you know that's a decision that Jalen has to make, and maybe it was reading a certain way. Whatever. Point being, they got to run the ball. I don't care who, you know, I, I and I know Jalen does his fair share of running, but you have Miles Sanders back there. You got to use him. And I, I've never been the biggest Miles Sanders guy, but he has had a, a good year. And he is your, even if you don't, that's fine. You don't want to use him. You have to line these other guys up and, and run, design run plays. I don't care who it is. I mean, I, I don't know why we go 
to Boston Scott early in the game. I, I still don't get that. They love Boston Scott, but call me crazy. Your guy who's running the ball has had the most success outside of your quarterback is the number one running back on your depth chart, and that's Miles Sanders. And I, it, it led me to seriously ask, when I'm sitting here at home, is he hurt? Is there something wrong with him? Because then they kept them were lining them up on the outside, and it was just, I didn't like the game plan from the beginning of the game. And, and they were having success early on. And that probably hurt them in, in the long run because it was kind of like negative reinforcement or positive reinforcement in this case because they thought, oh, okay, it's working, then let's just keep rolling it. And there's no way, especially with the, t- the way... Those guys, the the commanders that being, were moving the ball that we were going to be able to sustain that because you don't pick up one first down, then you give them back the ball, and you don't see the ball for another 15, 20 minutes in, in, you know, in real time, game time, probably seven or eight minutes because these drives were just going on and on and on. So, I mean, later, you know, in the second half, they started to run the ball. That's how they uh, – I'm going to pull the exact drive up when they when they did start to move the ball and actually score a touchdown – it started in the third quarter and then went into the fourth, right? So, you know, Miles Sanders' six-yard run, Miles Sanders' four-yard run, Miles Sanders' four-yard run, uh, incomplete pass, and then a pass left to Watkins, and then a pass to Goddard. Gainwell gets in for seven yards, and then Jalen Hurts rushes for two yards, Miles Sanders rushes for two yards, Miles Sanders for six yards, Miles Sanders for seven yards, and then a touchdown to Devontae Smith. You see how many, I mean, total plays here on this drive, 12, okay? One, two, three, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight. This, and you take out the Jalen Hurts one, which I don't remember if it was a design run or pass. Seven run plays, and that gets you your last touchdown of the game. You know, again, let's be real. Okay, and let, let's be honest. At the end of the day, this is not this is not the end of the world. This is a a team that is eight and one. They've received their first loss. We we all talked about and knew that at some point they were going to slip up. All these teams do, other than other than the Miami Dolphins in seventy two, which we'll continue to have to hear about them. But it's still something we have to discuss, and we can't act like it didn't happen. All right, although this is not a characteristic of this team, it kind of exposed some flaws that this team may have, especially, you know, defensively. I mean, Terry McLaurin went crazy. He had eight, I think he had eight catches, 120 yards. Uh, the zone defense was getting exposed uh, a little bit. Heineke was getting some real easy throws and was not having to make some tough decisions. And then when he had to make a tough decision, he threw an interception to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So it, it just, at the end of the day, it just felt like a, a, a game that we completely blew. So, also, you have to mention the fact that uh, one of our drives ends on Dallas Goddard getting seriously injured. He's going to be out for multiple weeks now with a shoulder injury as he gets drugged to the ground and, and fi- gets his face smashed into the ground with a face mask that is not called. Ball gets punched out. We lose the ball. They go down, kick a field goal, an easy, like a free three points that they should not have gotten. It should have been 15 yards going down the field, but... It, it, that's a, a you know they missed it okay they they missed that one for somehow which I, I I truly don't know how in an NFL game you miss that call especially with people in your ear with as many fucking refs that are on that field how you miss that call is unbelievable. 
because it, it's right there. It wasn't even like it was like hidden. His face is to the sideline, and he's getting drugged down by his face. Who goes down to the ground like that? Naturally. Nobody. So, like, we see every other fucking one. We can see holdings in the trenches, but we can't see a fucking face mask right out into the open. Okay. Yeah, totally. That totally makes sense. On board with it. Yup. So then, you know, now we've lost Dallas Goddard for God knows how long because, you know, these refs have no idea. I mean, at the very least, he's going to get hurt either way. At least give us the fucking call. That's, that, you know, that's, is that too much to ask for the refs to do their fucking jobs? Okay, no. So they, they, they have uh, one final act for us at the end of the game, of course. But, but then later on, Jalen Hurts hits Watkins deep on a sort of like a go route or like a right up the seam. He catches it, falls down, gets up, gets the ball punched out, and another turnover for the Eagles. We give them back the ball. We get the ball back. Then we have to punt it to them. And then we are about to get the ball back. And Taylor Heineke rolls out to his right, stops, takes a knee. The whistle doesn't come right away and is extremely slow and just doesn't, you know, isn't right away when the guy gives him up like it should be. And they call a roughing the passer or unnecessary roughness on the Eagles. And that ends the game. Not enough timeouts to keep the game going. You know, it was uh, fourth. It was third down. It was going to be fourth down. Oh, the Eagles were going to get the ball back. And uh, no. You know, uh, I, Brandon Graham took responsibility for it. I thought it was an extremely soft call uh, because that's exactly what he wanted. He flopped as soon as the ball hit him or as soon as Brandon Graham came up. He didn't even really hit him. He kind of just pushed him because uh, he had to, you want, you know, you, know, you never know if, if cause the whistle didn't blow. It did not blow, so you have to go over and touch the guy to stop the clock or stop the play, and yeah, there you go. So that that was the end of the game. Uh, the Eagles made plenty of mistakes throughout this one. You can you can sit here and you can blame the refs, but at the end of the day, it has a lot to do with the fact that they turnovers. You know, we we had fumbles, we threw a pick. Uh, it's just you, you allow teams like that. We make mistakes with penalties. It, it's just you allow teams like that to hang around in these games. And that's how inferior teams beat you, because you make mistakes and you just let them. You let them hang around. You let them play, and, and you know they they stay in these games. They were able to run the ball against us with no problem. It seemed like they were picking up first downs. I mean, they were twelve of twenty-one on third down. They were moving the ball with no problem. They had 40, sec- 40 minutes and 24 seconds of time of possession. That's not good, man. That, that's, that, that right there is how you lose a game, especially when we are a team who isn't a quick score, you know, uh, three-play, 60-yard drive sort of team. We are a methodical move-it-down-the-field team. I thought that was very apparent. I, I thought we all knew that. But it seemed like Coach and Shane Steichen didn't have the uh, right proper game plan coming into this one. I think the whole team didn't have a great game plan because Gannon didn't have a great day either. With That zone defense was getting gashed left and right. I mean, Terry McLaurin, eight catches, 128 yards. That was not a good situation. Brian Robinson, 26 carries, 86 yards, and a touchdown. Get, even Gibson with 14 carries, 44 yards, and a touchdown. It's just they had their, they had their way, man. They had their way. 
And it's just that is a tough, tough way for the Eagles to take their first loss, especially against a team that had no business being in there with them. Uh, you know, shout to Joey Sly making multiple 50-yarders. He, he, you know, he he had he was working hard all game long. The Eagles defense, I, again, this isn't even a situation where I'm going to sit here and blame the defense, even though they they couldn't, you know, get the team off the field. The, uh, the Eagles also couldn't stay on the field, especially towards the end of that game. And I think that that had a lot to do with the fact that they weren't really able to establish the run early on in the game, and it kind of came back to bite them because it just, you know, this team is not a, a team that can play from behind. They're not. The Eagles are. This Eagles team is a, is a front runners. They are a time of possession team. The way the Commanders beat us is the way we are supposed to beat teams by just outgaining them, outpossessing them, and just working them down and and just tiring the, the their defense out. That's how we're supposed to win. Running it down people's throats, and the team did that to us. So you could tell, especially the way that the Commanders were able to run the ball last night, that we are missing Jordan Davis, man, like that. He he had a big effect on the rush defense early on in this year, and now you know who knows when he'll be back. So the Eagles are going to have to make you know they're going to have to make do and, and kind of bridge that gap until he gets back because the rumors are he won't be back till like December. Uh, you know he's on IR, so I, I know he won't. You know he has to sit out a mandatory four weeks, and this was week number one, so he's at least out for three more weeks. And he's a big guy, so who who knows? That's a high ankle sprain. Those things are no joke for even the smaller guys. For a guy of his size and stature, it's not going to be something easy to come back from. Who knows when we're going to get Goddard back? And now they have to go play a team in Indianapolis who. You know, has a new coach. They're kind of in turmoil and whatnot, but they they just they just took out the Raiders, who aren't really much of a threat to anyone but themselves, I guess, because they are continually in their in-house arguing now. Josh McDaniels isn't built to be a coach. Derek Carr's crying at press conferences, so that doesn't seem like a great situation there in Las Vegas. But you know, listen. No game is no game is an easy uh, walk in the park now in the NFL. But you know, the Eagles should take care of business next Sunday. They're going to be angry. They're going to adjust their game plan. I have a feeling they're going to come out and run the ball down Indianapolis's throat. And I hope it's enough to take care of business, get to nine and one, and then they will go back home, I believe, to play Green Bay on Sunday night. Yes. So, how did the rest of the NFL go? Well. Uh, Justin Fields apparently is the greatest rushing quarterback to ever play the game. That's what it seems like. 147 yards, two touchdowns, uh, you know, great running back numbers. They can't throw the ball at all, but they're running a college offense and it's seeming to work against teams like the Lions, which is good for them. Dolphins pounded the Browns. Browns desperately need Deshaun Watson to get back so they can at least work up some chemistry or something like that because it looks like their season is completely cooked at three and six. Broncos lose again to the Tennessee Titans. Broncos are 3-6. and six. They stink. Uh, the Bills completely blow a game against the Vikings. Vikings come back. Josh Allen throws two brutal interceptions. He looked uh, healthy, though, from the, the UCL injury. That was the, the, the topic of discussion. Justin Jefferson makes an insane catch. The Giants are now 7-2. and two. They continue to take care of business against anyone that they you know is put in front of them pretty much. Chiefs take care of business against the Jags. I mentioned the Colts. Packers win in overtime against the Cowboys. The Cardinals and Rams have a backup quarterback battle where the Cardinals win. 
and then the 49ers take care of business against the Chargers, who also stink. I don't care what the record says. The Chargers are not good. So that was the NFL. Now on to the NBA and our Philadelphia 76ers. So it seemed like Joel was coasting early on in this year, whether that be from that plantar fasciitis that I mentioned earlier in the show. It just seemed like a lot of moping was going on, a lot of behind-the-scenes conversations about, oh, well, he's upset. This is James Harden's team now. And... Doc Rivers this, and Doc Rivers should be fired, and now James Harden gets hurt. There's just all this extracurricular nonsense around the team, and it was kind of getting overshadowed by the Phillies run, and we weren't talking about it on here because why would you, especially when I've told you a million times how much these games really don't matter because of what what the way these postseason has gone for the last four or five years. Every time they get there, they just melt down and completely collapse, no matter whether they're the one seed, the six seed, the seven seed. Like, it hasn't mattered what seed they are. They have just completely underwhelmed and underperformed every time they've gotten there. So why get too worked up about this, right? So I've taken a new approach where I'm just going to watch and have fun and take the regular season for what it's worth. Let's just enjoy great basketball because you have to remember, again, I have to remind myself, so I will remind all of you out there, those days when the Sixers were not good, right? And they didn't have all those guys like Joel Embiid, James Harden, and we prayed that one day we would be able to get guys like that. You know, when we're watching KJ McDaniels and Tony Roden, okay? Henry Sims. We, you try to remember stuff like that. James Anderson. You gotta, you know, you gotta stay humble a little bit, cause I myself get a little too spoiled. Uh, fuck the regular season. Who cares? I'm not gonna get so worked up over this bullshit. And then you're like, oh wait, well, I remember when I would be watching Jalil Okafor put up 20 and 10. And I'm like, I just can't wait till they get some guys around him. You know, you're like, and you're how delusional you feel watching Nerlens Noel try to carry a Sixers team by himself. <laughs> oh boy, so. Now we have a legitimate the the runner up for MVP back to back seasons putting up fifty nine and forty two in back to back nights and in back to backs where he formerly wasn't even able to play in both of these games or on a minutes restriction and all that nonsense so now he's having these out of, out of this world stat lines and, and complete stat lines forty two ten and six you know uh, what, what was the one I just read before fifty nine uh, eleven Eight and seven, that's nuts. Seven blocks. You have to just appreciate that and respect that. You do. No matter how many times he'll piss me off with his moping and and the sort of the crybaby stuff, him skipping a press conference early in the season when they were losing some of those, you know, not important games, but like losing to the Bucks, and it's just kind of uh, benchmark games, which to me mean games against the other upper level of competition in the NBA where you can kind of match yourself up against and see how, you know, how good are we actually. And early in the season, we were not good. That was when James Harden was still playing. Now, Harden still out, you know, with his, I believe, a foot tendon strain or something along those lines. And he, there hasn't been really been much reports on when he'll be back. But it seems like we're almost halfway through that month 
sort of timetable that we were given. Excuse me. I'm sure that that is a fluid sort of timetable. If he needs extra time, that's fine. Obviously, err on the side of caution, especially in November and December, because we're going to need him for April, May, and June. Because, again, like I've said, that's really all that matters. All we have to do is get in the playoffs, not no play in the playing game. We should be good enough where we move up through these uh, standings as the season goes on. Teams like the Raptors, the Wizards, and the Cavs, even the Hawks, should not be on our level and will not should not be a problem for us for the majority of the season. The Nets are an absolute dumpster fire, it seems, and are in turmoil. They're six and eight. They're even one game behind us, but uh, they they are you know they're in twelfth right now. It, it, but again, there's three games separating three and and twelve. So it's so early on. It's not. I'm not looking at this in a serious manner, but it's just like you. you you check the standings to kind of check the temperature of the league and what's going on, and it seems like the the East is very much there for the taking if the Sixers can get up to a three seed, say in the playoffs, match up with the Bucks, maybe even the Celtics. I'd rather not see the Celtics, but what are you gonna do? That's so far down the road, but it is good to see the Sixers actually playing well, not looking like an abomination. Not looking like a dumpster fire. It's good to see that they have somewhat turned it around a little bit. Now, the only positive to uh, them not playing well was maybe Doc would get fired, but it looks like Daryl Morey is asleep at the wheel. It doesn't look like that was going to be a real thing or that they were going to be thinking about moving on from Doc unless things got horrifically bad and that they would start, you know, bringing the pitchforks and and start protesting outside the Wells Fargo Center. It just doesn't seem like there's really any worry or concern from Daryl Morey. And, I mean, honestly, at 7-7, and I guess there is really no reason to jump the gun and, and, and fire him, even though how much we all hate Doc Rivers. It's just, okay, you know, whatever. It, it, it that part of it makes me get apathetic and be like, you know, uh, we all know what this team's going to be, and all those negative thoughts start to click in. But I'm not going to go down that road. Uh, Sixers have off until Friday when they play the Bucks at home, and a back-to-back against the Timberwolves the next night at home as well, and then Tuesday against the Nets, which should be a fun game here at home. Ben Simmons coming back, probably playing in his first game since. His trade to Brooklyn, he obviously sat out the game last year where we got fucking smoked by the Nets. Uh, Maybe Kyrie will be back by then. Well, who knows? And honestly, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter all that much. All The big concern for me as a Sixers fan is watching Joel continue to perform at a high level, play well, seeing the growth of Tyrese Maxey, seeing Tobias Harris pick up the slack next to him, and play well. He didn't play well on Sunday night, but uh, I believe on Saturday night he had a pretty nice game. Uh, I think he had a 21 point. Yep, 21 points, six boards, two assists, seven for 13 from the field. So, pretty efficient game for Mr. Harris. I'd like to see a little bit more efficiency from Maxi. It seems like Maxi struggled uh, in, in certain games. He's either going off or he's just not playing all that well and shooting four of 18, five of 17, eight of 24. He is definitely a volume shooter. And with 
James Harden being out, that allows him to kind of spread his wings a little bit and shoot a little bit more because there's less shots to go around. But the big, you know, I mentioned a couple of the big things I'm concerned about. It's obviously Joel playing well. It's getting the growth of Tyrese Maxey. It's making sure that Harris plays well. And it's also making sure that James Harden gets back healthy and not rushing him back. You know, they don't need to rush him back, but just make sure he's good to go. Maybe not run him into the ground with the second most minutes in the entire NBA. That's a, a thought, Doc. Maybe think about that. You don't need to play him every single minute against the San Antonio Spurs, win or win, lose or draw. Let's just for one second have the long view in mind when we've had the long view for five years, and now we get a 33-year-old guy. We're gonna run him into the ground when he's the only way that we're gonna win in the playoffs. So maybe consider that when you're making your lineups or adjusting your rotations or just thinking about all that different stuff. So there is that. I am obviously getting excited for the Sixers. The Flyers, it seems like, have come back to earth. 3-5-2, three-game losing streak, getting smoked by the Stars on Sunday night. They have the Blue Jackets uh, tonight. They are a minus-120 favorite. They lost Wade Allison for three weeks. Uh, it just seems like Tortorella had the boys humming for the first couple weeks, and now they have kind of hit that roadblock and have, again, like I said, come back to earth. 5-2-4-1-5-1. They're not even really competitive in these games. They were in that Blue Jackets game. I remember watching that. But as it stands now, the Flyers are 11th in the conference. It's kind of a situation like the NBA, like I just labeled uh, or laid out, I should say. You know, it, it's there's... One point separating 12 and 7. So there's definitely some room for the Flyers to make a run if that was to be a thing. I don't predict that to happen. I thought they have well exceeded my expectations that I had early on the season. I thought they were going to be horrible. But Tortorella has obviously made an impact on this team. And the fact that they're playing all these young guys and the energy that the team has had has gone a long way early on in the season. But unfortunately, I think as the season wears on, it'll kind of erode a little bit. And the Flyers will somewhat come back to earth to their skill level that they they have because they don't really have a lot of high quality NHL players on the roster. And I'm obviously not a uh, hockey god. A god. Uh, I, I'm I have eyes though, and I am able to figure out what's going on. And the Flyers are not something worthy of getting my energy behind or getting worked up on or over. Uh, on a night in and night out basis, uh, it's until until there's some, you know, big names come in here, or I I don't know, I don't know what it will take for me to buy back in them turning their back on Johnny Gaudreau and then him scoring uh, in that Columbus game the other night. It's just kind of a nice fuck you to Chuck Fletcher. And uh, I part of me wants it to get stuck to him and have him get fired, but again. Like I labeled out, shout out to uh, Flyers Dumpster uh, Dumpster Talk, I think is what the episode is named. Uh, if you want to hear me go in on all that nonsense, I, I went a nice 15, 20 minutes on the Flyers and the state of the organization, how there's no leadership from the top. So again, no point in getting worked up about that. And while I'm here, the Phillies, there has not been much movement in any free agent talk anywhere. Edwin Diaz signed a big deal with the Mets and Rafael Montero from the Astros re-signed with them for a three-year deal. So I'm hearing people say that the those two deals 
uh, in the reliever market opens up the rest of the market saying it's going to be a good free agent year and lots of money is going to be flying around. I'm sure that's what the agents believe and they, the, what they want to believe because they'll get a piece of that. Uh, I guess we'll say it's just kind of conjecture and uh, hypotheses right now. But w- that we w- the show goes on and, and the, the world keeps on spinning. And, and the, we are the Hot Take Hotbox and I will be here to discuss all of the action as these weeks go on. I will probably not have another one of these episodes until after the Eagles game on Sunday because there isn't even, there isn't even a Sixers game to talk about until Friday night. And it's just kind of it's going to be a slow Philly sports week, so maybe we'll sneak in a college football episode, get back to the picks and whatnot. I know J-Pav has gone AWOL. Shout out to J-Pav and Pauly Pockets. Forget about that guy. But uh, until then, we until we meet again. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I will see you uh, on this uh, on, on these airwaves Friday at the very latest because we will have a UFC episode again. UFC 281. We smoked it this weekend. I went eight and three. Ty went eight and one. If you like to make money, then hop on while you can. We have a nice filthy garbage card this weekend to discuss with Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, as some of you may know if you're not a hardcore UFC fan, and Sergey Spivak, who you probably don't know. if He beat up Greg Hardy for anyone out there who pays attention a little bit to the NFL and things of that nature. So, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next week with this and next or this Friday with the Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast.